Hi, you're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS App Store and find one of our Locked On rooms. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. We are back with my good friend, the Athletics' Tony Jones, breaking down yet again the NCAA March Madness Tournament. Tony, great to have you back. I know it was a pretty fun weekend of of watching college basketball and really excited to dive in and talk about how these prospects helped or hurt their draft stock uh, in the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. Absolutely. I am. uh, I'm ready. I'm ready to uh, uh, to dive in and and uh, I have thoughts on everybody. Well, one of the things that's been actually pretty good about this tournament is that there have been a lot of our top prospects actually playing and playing in really meaningful and significant games, which is great. My other concern is that, again, given the nature of this particular year and the scouting and the limited scouting that you see in person, that we can also overweight one or two basketball games. And so it's something that, that I think we'll be talking about through this as well, uh, where a player has a bad game, you shouldn't drop him 10 points on your board because of one bad game, or a player gets uncharacteristically hot in the tournament and it should wipe out your other scouting report. That happens every year, uh, especially among draft analysts. Uh, but it also happens sometimes with NBA teams as well, who, uh, especially for people maybe in front offices or coaching staffs that are are paying closer attention this time of year. And, and so we'll kind of keep that in mind going forward. I, I, I never think it's, I really think it's important that you don't overreact uh, to a couple of games, but also at the same time, these are big, meaningful games for prospects. And we got to see some things that I think are, are, are going to be really helpful. So let's, let's start with a guy that I think is the highest ranked on both of our boards uh, who played uh, in the tournament uh, last weekend. And that was Evan Mobley out of USC, uh, USC a surprise participant uh, in the Elite Eight. What did you think about Mobley's performance over the weekend? Well, I think he is who, who I think both of us think he is. Um, you know, I think that he's pretty solidly the second best uh, prospect on the board. Um, um, he's he's a real two-way uh, talent. Um, he's somebody who's... A, the, the thing that I like about Mobley is I think he's able to affect um, – he doesn't need to affect the stat sheet to affect the game. And uh, I think he's somebody that, that impacts every possession, uh, whether it be, you know, something as, as, as little as, you know, a hockey assist or, you know, setting a screen or, or you know, directing traffic um, – and obviously, he's able to do a lot uh, skill set wise with the ball in his hands. Um, you know, he's he's a really, really he's a real talent, and he has real upside. And you know, I thought that I thought that the the biggest thing from him this year is that that he's proven that he can be dominant defensively as well. Um, so I thought he had a great tournament. Um, obviously, you know. Uh, USC ran into a buzzsaw uh, in the Elite Eight, uh, but he's he's somebody for me that that I think is has every chance to be a franchise player. I'm I'm with you uh, now that his career is done. I, I think he exceeded, in my opinion, all expectations, and they were very very high uh, for Evan Mobley from the beginning. 
Uh, interestingly, I think his defense is a little bit ahead of his offense right now, but the offensive potential for him is just absolutely enormous. All of the tools are there for him, in my opinion, to be a dominant offensive player uh, in in the NBA uh, down the road as well. They're, they're not as polished right now as some of his defensive abilities are, but I think they're going to get there. And I think you're going to have an elite two-way player who uh, can easily average, you know, 20, 20 points, 10 rebounds, uh, you know, a couple of blocks a night, you know, four or five assists a night, um, just really fill up a stat sheet and impact winning on, on both ends of the game. He needs to get stronger. And, you know, you saw that a little bit against uh, Gonzaga and, and Drew Timmy, who is a, you know, who is a veteran <laughs> in every every sense of the word and, and gave you at least a feel, um, you know, for what, what Evan Mobley is going to be facing night in and night out in the NBA as as far as the you know the strength and and the skill level um, that you're going to be playing against at the NBA. But everything that I saw even out of that game, uh, even though it was a tough game uh, for Gonzaga, uh, points in the direction that I think he's going to be an absolute star in the league. And and you know you talked about Anthony Davis uh, being a comp. We've obviously talked about Chris Bosh, uh, and I think there's a lot of a lot of comps there as well. And if you can maybe create a hybrid of those two, you know, that's what his ceiling projects out to. And, and that absolutely makes him a, a, a serious prospect for the number one pick in the draft. I, I think we both have Cade Cunningham, one on our board, and it stayed that way. But Evan Mobley, a very, very strong two. Let's go to Jalen Suggs, at, uh, who's at three on my board. Where's he at on your board right now, Tony? He's at five on my board. He's at actually he's at four on my board. Uh, drop Kamingo one. Okay, four on Tony's board, three on my board. What did you think about his performance this weekend, uh, which included maybe his best game of the tournament against USC? Yeah, he's he's phenomenal. <laughs> he's he's definitely a, a franchise point guard. Um, another characteristic. Another guy who's a two-way guy and, and another guy who affects every single possession, uh, whether he has the ball or he doesn't. Um, love that he can play with or without the basketball. The, I love the fact that he's a point guard that does not need the ball to affect the game. And and obviously when he gets the basketball, he, he has a, a huge effect on the game. Um, you know, the jump shot needs to come along. Um, that, that is, you know, you know, as you watch him from, you know, as time goes on, you, the, you, you see that the jump shot needs to come along, but other than that, there are no weaknesses to his game whatsoever. He can defend on the perimeter. He can defend, uh, on the interior. He's a, a, a really, really good, uh, isolation on ball defender, but yet he's, he's an elite team defender. Um, he's super he's he's terrific in transition uh he's he's a terrific pick and roll player uh great passer you know really good finisher on the interior i mean just everything that you need your point guard to do uh six four frame has an nba body already uh he checks he checks those boxes that he is four for me on the on this board or even that he's three for you on this board uh probably tells you how good the top five of this draft is. It's insane because um, I, I think in any of in, in you know, if you take the last 10 years, 
I think at least in seven of those years, he's he's going to be fighting it out for that number one spot. And um, I just think that he's just a real talent and that he has um, he has an it factor uh, that that you really like as well. Um, his intangibles are really strong. Uh, he's just a really, really, really good prospect, just an elite prospect. And I, and I think that uh, whoever gets him, they're, they're going to be getting a franchise point guard and uh, they shouldn't play around with him. They should just put the ball in his hands from day one. I, I like that you mentioned the it factor. Uh, there's several players, frankly, in this draft that that have significant it factors. But to me, this is where he tops out. Uh, of all of the of all the things that he brings to the table, I think he's number one in this draft on the it factor. His approach mentally uh, to the game, the mental toughness uh, that is there, um, the 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 leadership, the um, the motor. Uh, there's there's just a mindset to which he approaches the game that you see and feel on both ends of the floor. He's a natural leader. And, you know, you look at that that stat line against USC, it was incredible. 18 points, 10 rebounds, 8 assists uh, in that game. And and the three-pointer uh, was falling for him. He hit two threes uh, in, in that game. Uh, I agree with you. The only weakness that I really see in his game right now is the question about three-point shooting. He's He's been three for 15 uh, from the field, from three uh, in the tournament. And uh, he shot a little bit better than that uh, throughout the season. But But he was streaky. And I think that's definitely a swing skill for him, but one that I think he is going to continue to develop and get better at because it's going to be a key to his success. And I think we know about him uh, that he's as competitive, if not the most competitive uh, prospect in this draft. And uh, I, I think there's a great chance that we'll come out of this. He's three on mine, like you said, four on your board, that he ends up being the best player in this draft. And it, it wouldn't surprise me at all. That just tells you how loaded this draft is. I can't wait, uh, to, and this is jumping ahead because this would only happen if Baylor and Gonzaga are in uh, the final game together, the championship game. But to see him and Davian Mitchell go head-to-head uh, is a dream matchup for NBA, NBA scouts. Aren't we owed this to me? I just think that we're owed Baylor Gonzaga, like, They've been the two best teams in, 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 in the country by a mile for the entire season, you know? And I, I just think that this, this year, I mean, you know, no disrespect to Houston, no disrespect to UCLA, um, but this, this season is anticlimactic if uh, Monday night national championship isn't Baylor and Gonzaga. And, and, and Suggs Mitchell. Uh, Mitchell, arguably the best defender in college basketball, um, one of the best that I've seen. And uh, and that same competitive fire and spirit, uh, the, the same burst of athleticism and strength, uh, Mitchell a couple inches shorter uh, than Suggs, but the, I think they'll be head-to-head. Uh, in in that tournament, and uh, you know that's just a dream scenario. And and, and if Suggs if Suggs can pull that out uh, against Mitchell, oh man, I don't I don't know. He may he may end up moving up the board. We'll see. Uh, let's talk about let's talk about a guy that you tweeted about 
uh, quite a bit who's who's kind of been polarizing on Twitter. We we were we were texting each other a little bit uh, during the tournament uh, about Franz Wagner, and uh, he had a uh, terrific game in the Sweet 16 uh, versus um, versus Florida Florida State, and had an extremely tough game, uh, maybe one of the worst games of his career uh, against UCLA. Uh, in, in in the elite eight that that you know frankly you know Wagner may have cost them a, a chance at the final four. He had two good looks at the end of uh, at the end of the game on three, missed them both, airballed one of them, uh, and Michigan loses. And such a polarizing prospect. He's ranked seven on my board. I think you tweeted that he's up to six on your board um, right now. Uh, there's other people that don't understand why he's a first-round pick. I mean, I actually saw um, college basketball analysts asking that question uh, on Twitter. That's a, that's a huge disparity. Where do you where do you ultimately land on Wagner? Well, I feel the same way that I felt when I when I was tweeting uh, about how good he is. Um, like you said, one bad game doesn't. You know, this this is a, a compilation and and. Um, I think he's a heck of a prospect. First of all, he's very young for his class. Um, second of all, um, he already projects out to be at least a very good wing defender, if not elite. Um, and, you know, he has a, I, you know, because of the skin color, I don't like making this comparison, but he reminds me a lot of Gordon Hayward at Butler. And, if you and and if you look at Gordon Hayward's career and the way he's progressed and the way he's you know gotten better over time, um, you know that's he's pretty much had the career of somebody who's you know six almost big boards, uh, even though that that wasn't his draft position. I think his draft position was nine, um, you know. But he's uh, you know Wagner does everything. I mean he's a Really good passer. He's a really good ball handler. He's six foot nine. Uh, he's a good athlete. He's a very good defender. Very good defender. He's a good rebounder. Um, you know, I, I think the the offensive tool set has to come along. Um, you know, he's going to have to develop. You know, counters. He's going to have to. You know, develop. You know, he's going to have to develop the jump shot. Obviously, uh, the shot making is going to have to come along. Uh, but he has so many unique tools that you that you can't teach. And, you know, similar to Scotty Barnes, I mean, this is a wing league. Everybody's trying to get wings. Everybody needs a two-way wing. It's the reason why Pat Williams went four. And by the way, Pat Williams is justifying that draft position. Um, it's the reason why Isaac Okoro went really high. You know, wings today are like, you know, wings today in the NBA are like, you know, offensive left tackles in the NFL. If you're good, you're going to, if you're good at that, you're going to be, you know, high on, on the draft board. So, you know, you can look at Franz Wagner, you can look at Scotty Barnes. Uh, you can say, Hey, you know, those guys aren't developed. You know, you can say well, whatever you want when you're six foot nine and you can defend through multiple positions and you can shoot dribble and pass. Um, uh, or had at least had the potential to shoot, dribble, and pass, you're going to go high in the draft. 
And, you know, I think that that Wagner is 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 a little further along than the absolute project stage. Uh, I do agree that he has holes in his game. Uh, but I do think that if you put him on an NBA floor in four to five years, he's going to be a really good defender. And he's going to be somebody who, you know, can average 15, five and five or something like that. So, uh, yeah, he's six on my board. Uh, I think he's got, you know, significant upside. And I think that he's he's somebody who who I think has a chance to be a really good player in the league. I think some of it is the obsession that people have in casual analysis to scoring points. And, and you know, you look and see, okay, he has nine points against Texas Southern in the Florida State game that I think you and I both loved him in, and we got to see him matched up with Scotty Barnes, who is in some ways kind of a similar player in certain, in certain ways. Uh, and I think he outplayed Scotty Barnes. I, I think just watching them head-to-head, it was clear to me who I would draft uh, ahead of them. And you see, you know, four points versus UCLA, and 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 to your point, Wagner gets it done everywhere. He rebounds. He moves his feet so well. He is a unique prospect in his ability to both pick up steals and assist. Uh, he uh, and and blocks. I'm sorry, steals and blocks. Uh, he is a he has a great feel for the game. He makes really good reads. And the one knock that that I could give him is okay. He he didn't shoot the ball well. In the tournament, he was two for 16 from three. But overall, even with those numbers factored in, he was a 34% three point shooter uh, this season uh, from Michigan. Uh, you know, you can't just take a, a, a slice of a sample and, and say that that's, that's a shooting ability. Yes, he airballed the ball. Uh, at at the end of the game, it, it was it was a horrible. It was a very high pressure situation, and and maybe in, in this case Wagner didn't uh, respond. But I also think that people don't recognize. Again, he's younger than Evan Mobley. He's younger than Jalen Suggs. He has a lot of basketball under his belt right now. And I also don't think that Michigan always knew how to use him offensively. He was not a priority. Uh, to be uh, their lead scorer. That's not the way that Michigan really played their game. And and I think in an NBA, he's going to be a more complimentary player who actually I think will get get better offensively. I I, I really think that, that Wagner checks so many boxes. And then when you dive deeper into the analytics and look at it, I think it pops even more. Uh, this is a very, very skilled basketball player uh, who might not be a guy who is going to average 20, 25 points a night, uh, in the NBA, but is going to fill up a block, box score in so many other ways, and uh, I, I just I think he's a terrific prospect. I, I had no problem, especially as you and I have talked about. There's this big drop off after five. I have no problem saying that Wagner's the next best prospect in this draft. He's got competition for that, and I think you can make an argument for several other guys. Uh, but to me, he does so many things well. He doesn't have to just do that one thing uh, to be great uh, in the NBA. Let's talk about Barnes quickly. Uh, we got to see Barnes and and Wagner go head to head in that in that Florida State matchup. Overall impression about him? Where's he end up sitting on your board? Well, I just basically flipped off him and Wagner. Uh, I'm still very high on Barnes. I still have him seven. Um, the The reason why I I I flip flopped him and Wagner is not because of uh, the Michigan Florida State game, but it's just because. Uh, Wagner has more upside as a playmaker uh, than Barnes does. I think Barnes 
has a long way to go to, to be the kind of playmaker um, that, that Wagner uh, has the upside to be. I think both of those guys, um, when you look at both of those guys have, have, you know, elite physical tools for their position. Um, you know, it, it's just more that Wagner's just more of a ball in hand guy uh, and able to make plays off the dribble for himself and others. Um, I like Barnes's competitiveness. Uh, I obviously like his physical, his, his physical um, dimensions. Um, you know, I, I like the fact that, you know, a lot like Isaac Okoro, a lot like Wagner. Uh, he's, you know, obviously Kaminga, you know, those guys project to, to be able to guard um, through different spots in the lineup. And, you know, Barnes has even a, a, a better body than Wagner does. Um, you know, so I, I think that he's going to be able to, to adequately uh, guard four positions. He moves his feet. He's, you know, uh, he's long and athletic. He's good in transition. Um, I think he's a, a terrific prospect. Um, you know, the, the thing with, with Barnes, you know, he's got to go. I think we mentioned this before, but he's got to go somewhere um, that he's going to have a really good support system and that, you know, he's going to get skill development because, you know, it, it, he's not a finished product. He's not going to be a finished product next year uh, or even a year after. You, you got to get him into your program. And you're going to have to work with that kid. You're going to have to, you know, work on the handles, work on the jump shot, work on the offensive tool set. Um, but if you can get uh, all of those things to, to where, um, to where they can be, uh, you're going to have a heck of a player with him because uh, I think he has real upside. I like him as well. Uh, he basically sets where he sat before the tournament. I think we knew about his strengths and weaknesses. The, one of the reasons Wagner is ahead of him for me is I, I think that at, as, as shooters, they're in completely different worlds right now. Uh, you know, Scotty Barnes ends up as a 27% uh, three-point shooter on the year on on not very many attempts, but that free throw number, 62%, is is a is an even bigger red flag for me about what we're going to have to see going forward. Wagner's an 80, 83%, 84% um, free throw shooter. That often is, is something that you're going to see translate at the next level as far as what kind of three-point shooter they are. And and I don't know how effective Barnes's game is going to be if no one has to guard him uh, on the perimeter. Uh, the thing about Wagner, even now, you can look at whatever in the tournament, you have to guard him on the perimeter. You you can't just back away from him and ask him to shoot uh, shoot the basketball. And right now I think that, that that takes away a lot from Scotty Barnes and his ability to be the playmaker that you're talking about is he's going to have to be a threat, uh, not just from three, but even in his two point, um, you know, uh, jump shots as well. And I think that that to me is the area that he's going to have to work on if he's going to really develop as a, as a basketball player. Um, because, you know, you even look at his field goal percentage on his two point jumpers, it was 37%, uh, you know, on the season. Uh, and you know, that's, you know, that's going to be an issue for him because he, he's not going to be your traditional power forward. He's just going to bang down low. He was a actually an excellent finisher at the rim. He, he can do that. Uh, and so that's that's the area that I really want to see him improve on uh, at the next level and I think is going to be a, a bigger stretch than it is going to be for Wagner about whether he, he gets there um, or not. 
When we come back, we will continue to break down some of the top prospects in the 2021 NBA draft that played in the NCAA tournament this weekend. You're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm excited to tell you about a new podcast I think you're really going to love called Death at the Wing. It's a sports documentary podcast hosted by Adam McKay, writer and director of The Big Short, Vice, and Anchorman. 1980s basketball saw players like Magic Johnson and Dr. J become household names, bringing a faster and flashier style of play that captivated TV audiences. But along the way to wealth and stardom, the excess of the 80s took its toll on the next generation of basketball, and never in the history of any sport have we seen so many who are ready to become stars face tragic deaths in such a short time frame. McKay is joined by sports journalists and experts who lived through these moments in history to explore this overlooked phenomenon and the web of social, political, and cultural forces at play. If you love The Last Dance or 30 for 30, I think you're going to love Death at the Wing. Search for Death at the Wing wherever you get your podcast to start listening. And I'm back with the Athletics' Tony Jones. We're talking 2021 March Madness NBA Draft Stock Watch. Uh, we've talked about some of the top prospects in the draft in our in our first segment. Want to talk about a couple of others. Uh, one guy that that seemed to really have hurt his draft stock in in the tournament was Moses Moody um, out of Arkansas, a guy that I, I think was sort of moving into the consensus, you know, top ten, top twelve. Uh, prospects really, really had a rough go of it. Uh, at, at some of his worst basketball of the of the season uh, in the tournament. Uh, thoughts on on uh, on Moody going forward? He just looks like a three and D prospect, and and the jumper really has to come along, right? Um, you know, and you know, unlike Barnes and Wagner, he doesn't have. Um, you know, he has good physical dimensions, but those guys have elite, have elite physical dimensions and he doesn't, he's six, six, uh, he does have really, really long arms. So that really helps. Um, um, but he's just, you know, he's just not, um, the off the dribble ball on hand guy, um, um, that, you know, somebody who, you know, is going, you know, somebody who's six, six. Uh, should be if you're going to spend a top 10 pick. Um, you know, I, I, I do think that, that he's a, 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 has a potential to be a good pro. Uh, I do think that uh, he has a lot of upside, um, but I think that he's miscast right now that people think, oh, if they, you know, draft Moses Moody, um, you know, I'm going to be, you know, drafting, uh, a guy who can really put the ball in the basket uh, at the NBA level. And I, I don't see that for him right now. Uh, I think that he's uh, a guy who's uh, can attack closeouts off the dribble. Um, I think that um, I think that he's, you know, a guy who's going to be able to finish in transition, but if you're getting into the half court, uh, he's not going to be creating in a half court for you. Um, now, what I do think, I, I, I do think you have to take his entire season into account. 
Um, you know, he obviously averaged 17 a game, um, you know, uh, shot 36% from three. Um, but, you know, when, you know, you got to the, to the NCAA tournament and, and he, you know, the, the, the competition level jumped, uh, he wasn't able to, to, to really create, um, you know, so I, I think he's a solid prospect. I think he's a good prospect. I think, um, you know, I think if, if he, if the jump shot comes along and he can prove that he's, um, a, a full-time shooting guard at the NBA level, uh, instead of a full-time small forward at the NBA level, uh, I think that really helps him. Um, he finishes above the rim, you know, especially with straight, straight line attacks. Uh, he has, a, you know, I mentioned the wingspan His wingspan is seven, seven feet. Uh, the one thing that 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 does help me a little bit with the, the jump shot is that he shoots 80 percent from the line. Um, you know, so he's a good free throw shooter. Um, and, and, you know, typically when you're a good free throw shooter, the, the jump shot has upside. Um, so I still think that he's a top 10 ish pick. Um, but, you know, he wasn't for me. He's not a top six, seven or eight pick. Yeah, look, he's he struggled in the tournament. I, he went. He ended up going three for seventeen from three. But as as Tony points out, you got to look at his his whole career. And he he averaged five uh, five three three pointer uh, attempts a game. So he took a high volume of threes. Ended up even with those numbers, shooting thirty six percent. You know, one interesting thing about him is though he's not particularly dynamic off the dribble. Uh, he got to the free throw line, uh, you know, six six times a game, and that was something that just frankly. Uh, you know, was, you know, part of his game where you watched him in the tournament, he was often just sort of standing in the corner, clapping his hands, um, you know, asking, asking for the basketball. And uh, he definitely, especially in that Baylor game, looked very out of sorts. Um, I, I thought that was the game that frankly was the most disappointing uh, of the tournament. But then you also look at Baylor and what Baylor does to you uh, defensively as well, and and Baylor's made a lot of lot of lot of prospects not look particularly great. So I, I don't think this is one where we overreact. I think to Tony's point, you you know what he is. He's a three and D guy. He's he's not going to be your lead scorer. He's going to be a role player. Maybe his upside is is like Chris Middleton, uh, which would be an all star. Um, you know, if he really tapped into everything that he has, but he's probably going to be something less. Less than that, but he is going to be able to defend. I, I think I, I'm not worried about his jump shot. I think he'll be a good three point shooter uh, when he gets to the next level. Corey Kispert, we haven't talked a lot about Corey Kispert. You know, it's it's really interesting because you know he he's a guy based off his three point shooting is is a prospect that we've just kind of assumed is going to be a lottery pick, even though he's old and um, he's a little bit one dimensional right now. He's had a you know a good tournament, but not not a great tournament. I don't think this has been the best showcase uh, that we could have possibly had for um, for Kispert. Uh, what are your thoughts about him, and where should he be drafted? Well, the, the first thing I would say, you know, Corey Kispert, Joel Ayai, Drew Timme, uh, Andrew Nemhard. Um, I kind of throw this tournament out for all four of those guys. I mean, obviously, Jalen Suggs is just a different cat. So, you know, he's, you just put him on a stage and he's going to shine whatever stage that he's on. Um, but, you know, those are the other four guys, you know, 
it's it's just there's Gonzaga's so loaded with talent that you know, like for instance, against USC, it was Drew. Um, you know, the, the, then you know Joel Iyai, he he shines in in spots, and then it's Corey's turn, and then it's Nemhart's turn. They just got a lot of guys where you know I think that you know if you're looking for those guys to be dominant, it's just not going to happen because you know there's such a team concept uh, with them. Um, you know, Corey reminds me of of Joe Harris. I think that. Um, and, and I disagree with you a little bit. I don't think he's one dimensional. I think he's a, I think he's going to be, um, a really good defender, uh, relative to the kind of shooter that he is. Right. So the JJ Reddicks, the, the Cal Corvers of the world, um, you know, the Wally Zerbiacs of the world, even the Joe Harris, Joe Harris's of the world, you know, you get those guys, um, you know, the Wayne Ellingtons of the world, you know, those guys, you, you know why they, those guys are in the NBA, right? Like those guys are just they're there to let it fly. And they're not always the best defenders relative to those guys. I think that Corey Kispert's going to be a, actually a really good defender. And he's a much better ball handler uh, than most of those guys. Um, you know, he he can guard more than one position. Uh, you know, he's versatile. Uh, he, he moves very, very well without the basketball. Um, you know, he, you, he, you can even post him up if you put a, put a smaller guy on him. Uh, you know, he can score, uh, in the mid range as well. Uh, and that's why for me, despite the fact that he's a four-year player and a little older, uh, that's why for me, he's a lottery pick because, uh, I think that he does more than than just shoot the ball, and you know the jump shot is is obviously elite. So, you know, he I think he's a guy that that if you you know like for instance, uh, if the New Orleans Pelicans, you know, if they they have like the tenth pick and they pass Corey Kispert, then I'm I'm like, what are you guys doing? Uh, he's he's exactly what you guys need, and you know, so he's an automatic free throw shooter. Uh, he's got really good size for his position. Um, he's just a really, really good player. And I think that he he's a guy that that I, I think that that some team, uh, you know, mid to late lottery uh, should should snatch up without much hesitation. I think that's a great analysis, Tony. And, and you know, to your point, look, his defensive plus minus at uh, Gonzaga isn't isn't great. It's it's in the it's in the red. Uh, but it's not majorly in the red, and I and I think to Tony's point, a lot of times with these elite shooters, when you go look at their defensive plus minus or their defensive rating, it's a major red flag uh, for you going in. And and in Kispert's case, it's like a a, a very minor one um, coming in. And so there's a there's a disparity in what you typically see with a prospect like this, uh, who is is clearly going to be drafted uh, because of their ability to shoot the three and. Uh, and like, like, I think your point about Gonzaga in general and, and rating any of these prospects because of the team approach to the game, uh, also just you know how they've been running through this tournament right now um, as well, uh, they, they haven't been heavily, heavily tested um, yet by, by anybody. Um, and, and I think that's, that's going to be uh, you know, something that, that you have to keep an eye on as well. 
Let's talk about let's talk about our guy, uh, Davian Mitchell. Uh, you and I have been talking about him for a while, but now everybody's talking about him. Uh, now everybody's making a comparison that I don't know. You might be the might might have been the first to make Tony um, to uh, <laughs> Donovan Mitchell. And it seems that in this tournament, he's now exploded as a guy that, man, maybe we're talking about Mitchell now cracking the lottery. And, uh, and, and just, you've been high on him for so long. Where does he top out? I think my question for you is, where does he top out in the draft? He's 22 years old. Look, that, that's the first thing I think that we have to just kind of throw out as a red flag. If he was 19, this would be a different a different story altogether. He's 22 years old. There's always hesitancy among NBA teams. It's the same same issue with Kispert. Uh, where where is the highest that you would draft Mitchell in this draft? I would draft him in the lottery, and I'll tell you why. Here's the one difference, and and this is the one difference that would be, um, that would be so Donovan Mitchell and Davion Mitchell. They look exact same, the exact same dimensions, both 6'1", both really long arms, both really athletic. Now, I think Donovan is more athletic than Davion, which um, which is actually, you know, says something about Donovan's athleticism because Davion is really, really athletic. But here's the one thing that at the same stage, you know, Davion Mitchell had over Donovan Mitchell, and that's the fact that Davion Mitchell is – actually a point guard he's a natural point guard donovan mitchell had to come into the league and learn and learn how to be a point guard over four years but he was basically just you know you know he was basically a six foot one shooting guard now you know now he's he's developed into a point guard davion mitchell is a point guard and um even at six one that guy is going to be physically dominant at that position in the NBA because he is so strong. He is so athletic. He is so explosive and he is so dogged defensively and he has such long arms. Therefore, because of the actual defined position, uh, because of the defense, because of his ability off the dribble. uh, and, And when I say the ability off the dribble, there hasn't been anybody in this tournament that can keep him in front. Um, I would draft him in the lottery because I think that um, he's going to be a terrific pick and roll player. I think that uh, he's going to be able to finish uh, in the lane at the basket. Um, I, you know, I, I obviously think super highly of, of what he is defensively. Uh, I think he's, you know, one of the three or four best defensive players in the draft at minimum. Um, you know, for me, uh, because of all of these attributes, the age doesn't mean a thing to me. Uh, like not at all. Um, it's kind of like, you know, almost like with Chris Duarte, like I know Chris Duarte is 23, but he's so skilled and, you know, he's six foot six, uh, that, you know, I kind of throw the age thing out of the window. Uh, uh, same thing with Davion Mitchell. I, I think that he's going to be a, a terrific point guard in this league. And and I I think he's going to be gone within the first 15 to 17 picks. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot. I agree. Uh, 
it was it, so interesting. My big board 3.0 came out before the tournament started, and people um, were reacting like I was crazy that I had Mitchell at 18. Uh, and and I think actually clearly now that's 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 too low. Where where is he at on your board? Uh, at the end of the day, you, you say lottery is that is that ten? Is that fourteen? Is that what is that for you? No, I have him at twelve. So uh, I, I I moved him up. Um, I think before the tournament, I had him in the twenties. Um, but, you know, just watching them, uh, you know, really, really closely. I mean, you just look at him and, you know, like you said, the, the thing that does it for me is, is the defined position. I didn't know. I, I thought I was like, okay, maybe he's more of a combo and, you know, that, that makes him smallish a little bit. Um, but the fact that, you know, to me, he's a hundred percent a point guard, um, you know, it's the reason why, you know, I, it's one of the reasons why I still have Cade, you know, definitively as my number one. I mean, he's 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 a definitive six foot eight point guard uh, with the skill sets that he has, you know, and, and people don't realize, you know, when you have that size, that's your position. That means so much uh, in, in the league and whether it be you know, physical size in terms of verticality or whether it be long arms. You know, one of the reasons why Donovan Mitchell is, is able to, to exist uh, so well at shooting guard, despite the fact that he's 6'1", is that his wingspan is 6'10". And, um, you know, you combine that wingspan with the elite athleticism vertically and on the ground, um, that's what makes uh, him, him so different. Uh, that's what makes him so so good physically and not talking about the skill set. And that's what I see out of Davion Mitchell. And, you know, the fact that he's going to be able to play point guard full time in the NBA, um, you know, with his body, with his explosion athletically, with his long arms. Uh, I think that he's he's a he's a really highly he's he's a he should be a really highly thought of prospect. I'm 100 percent with you. I love him. Uh, I, I see a number, you know, Mitchell being a, a, a comp, uh, I had an NBA scout that thought he was the second coming of Kyle Lowry, uh, uh you know, in the NBA has obviously had a really successful career. And I think the question for me will be around how high he goes is, is partly just the position that he plays and looking at, at the teams that are going to be at, you know, in this draft and that sort of range of, you know, nine, eight, nine to fifteen, and who might who might pull the trigger, you know, on a, on a point guard there, and you know, I think that's going to be you know where he ultimately lands is going to be, uh, you know, a function of that. Uh, a lot of those teams aren't necessarily dying uh, for a point guard right now, but I, I will say uh, one 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 team for sure that I would watch is Toronto, uh, and and look at Masai. Uh, this is a prospect that fits the definition of who Masai loves uh, a, a, as a as a prospect and 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 the way that they play the game and the toughness and everything else it just that, that that would be that would be the team that I'd watch I don't know where Toronto will end up on draft night they may end up drafting you know a little bit too high for that um, but I but I would just I would watch Toronto there yeah I just I I know we got to move on but I just want to say <laughs> 
I've been so impressed with him off the dribble in this tournament. Nobody has been able to stay in front of this kid. Nobody. And it's just really impressive. And, and his ability to finish over length, uh, you know, uh, he he is a – and you just saw how Baylor, when he got in foul trouble, uh, how Baylor, as talented as Baylor is and as much as much talent as Baylor puts on the floor, what a difference. I, I thought that was the, the most telling moment for me was when Mitchell picks up a couple of fouls, has to go sit down, and and Baylor looks like a completely different basketball team, despite the fact that they're loaded. They're an absolutely loaded basketball team. And I think because we're so used to seeing him on the floor playing such a significant role, it wasn't until he has to go and sit for 10 minutes that it really starts to stand out for you what that this is the most important player on this Baylor team. Um, he's the engine that makes everything else go as good as Jared Butler is, as, as good as Masi Teague is. Uh, this is the guy. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, he's clearly the engine that makes them go. Um, and, and he, you know, like you said, he's clearly the most important guy on the team. I just want to see him in, in, in Jalen Suggs matchup. Like, that's just that's just what we need. That's that's just that's we're owed this. We we are, we are owed this, and Come and on, and if Mitchell shut, shuts down Suggs, uh, and and also can somehow dominate Suggs, you're going to see him pop again. I think on the board. Uh, I think I would, I would I I think so as well. Now I will say this before before we move on. Um, um, underrated NBA backcourt matchup on Saturday between uh, Mitchell and Butler and Andrew and Grimes. That is a really, really good matchup. You're, you're right. I, it, it, I, I actually, I actually think I'm really going to enjoy, uh, you know, this final four. I, I, I wanted to see Michigan's and Gonzaga, uh, but the way UCLA has played, uh, you know, they absolutely deserve to be um, where they're at right now. When we come back, we'll talk about a few more prospects that have impressed us in the NCAA tournament, you're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. The improved Built Bar tastes even better than the old ones. There are in 18 amazing flavors, six new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, Apple Almond Crisp, that's on top of all of the original flavors that you typically love, the coconut almond, the raspberry, the banana bread, one of my favorites, the mint brownie. Also love that orange bar and the coconut one as well, of course, being in Hawaii. And the great thing about these bars is that they taste like a candy bar, but they're actually healthy. And for for someone like me who exercises a lot and runs a lot and cares a lot, about what he puts into his system. I love the fact that it's low calorie, it's low sugar, it's got high protein, it's got high fiber, 19 grams of protein, uh, in fact, which is which is pretty awesome. And so go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on. That's builtbar.com. Use promo code locked on and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com.
And we are back talking 2021 NBA draft prospects in March Madness. I'm with the Athletics' Tony Jones. Let's talk about UCLA's Johnny Juzang, who has been as hot as any prospect in this tournament, uh, has been a, a scoring machine, was just crushing Michigan until he hurt his ankle uh, and uh, and you know had to go get retaped. He has a reoccurring ankle um, issue. I mean, was just absolutely destroying uh, Michigan. Uh, has there been any prospect in this tournament that has helped their draft stock more than than Johnny Juzang? I, I didn't really see him on any boarding. He was not on ours uh, coming in into this tournament. He was not uh, not there. Uh, he's he may have played himself into the first round. Okay, so listen, Chad. You we've worked together for 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 a couple months now, and it's been really good. And you know that I'm not prone to any hyperbole, right? So. Um, you know, I'm not a hyper, hy- hyperbolic guy. Um, so, you know, um, you know, Johnny Juzang, he reminds you of Reggie Miller, right? Wow. There's, and you, you, you always, you like always pull out the hall of famer. <laughs> every, every, you can, you can always catch me off guard here that you're going to make a, you're going to make a hall of famer, uh, uh, comparison. If he's if he's if he's Reggie Miller, why isn't he in the top ten picks in this draft? <laughs> Listen, work with me. UCLA, six foot seven, great jump shot, moves well without the basketball. What's not to like? <laughs> when he's feeling it, he's feeling it, man. Uh, and uh, and Michigan had no answers for him. And 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 I really think the ankle affected him. I mean, he he still ended up uh, having some really key buckets for them. Uh, down the stretch, but they you could definitely you know see there was a difference when the when the ankle was bothering him. All right, uh, since he's Reggie Miller to you, uh, where where should the next Reggie Miller go in 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 this draft? I, I mean, this was a highly ranked prospect coming out of high school. Goes to Kentucky, uh, transfers out of Kentucky at his first year. Uh, Cal really begged him to stay. Um, from everything that I I could get out of this. This wasn't a case where Kentucky was moving on. Um, it, it was Johnny wanting to go back home and, and, and play closer to home. And I think frustrated with his, you know, with his, with his freshman year, if, if he had been playing at Kentucky and doing this all year, uh, he for sure would have already been, you know, uh, you know, much higher on the board, uh, than, than he's been where, where does he end up? On draft night, because my guess is he's riding this tournament straight to the draft. Um, I actually think he should go back to school. He's not going back to school, Tony. I I, I say that with no information at all. But there's no way that you have a a tournament like this, uh, and a guy that's been eyeing the NBA since he's been a senior in high school who isn't going isn't going to the NBA unless unless teams just tell him they're not going to no, draft him. Right. He's yeah. going to the NBA. No. no. You're you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And you know, I, look, I, he's he shot thirty four percent from three on volume. Shot six threes a game. Um, he's six foot seven, like you said. I love the way he moves without the ball. I love the way he comes down off pin down screens. Um, you know, one dribble pull ups. He can do it mid range. He can do a long range. Um, he's, he's a fearless shooter. Um, and, and he's a shooter with size. Um, now he's not going to defend anybody for you. Um, 
He shoots 90% from the free throw line. Uh, he rebounds the ball a little bit. You know, so look, I, I think you're right. Uh, he's had such a great tournament. Uh, really took that Michigan game over. Uh, you know, UCLA just could not score. And, and you know, he put the Bruins on his back. Like, at, at, at one point, like, UCLA had, like, 18 points and Juzang had, like, 14 of them, something like that. Like, it was just astronomical. Um, you know, so anytime you have a shooter with size and size for his position, I mean, he's a shooting guard. You know, he, I, I think he's going to make, you know, he's going to make the league and, and somebody's going to draft him. Um, so where would you draft him? At what point do you say, I'm going to pull the trigger on Juzang? I, I, I don't think there's any question he's going to be drafted. The question is, is that teens? Is that 20s? Is that 30s? Is that 40s? Where, where, do you, where would you go right now? Well, if you're the Utah Jazz and you're at 30 and, and, and Johnny Juzang and Chris Smith are on the board, um, you're thinking about taking both of those guys, right? I, I thought the Jazz were taking Herb Jones. I think that's your guy for the Jazz. Herb Jones, Chris Smith, um, uh, uh, Chris Duarte. Love all three of those guys for the Jazz. Um, you know, I, 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 I think that um, – but I, I think if you're Utah, you're looking for that six-foot-nine guy who can do things on both ends of the floor. And that's re- one of the reasons why I really like Herb Jones. Um, you know, and this is also a reason I like Chris Smith, you know, ACL, you know, you thought, I mean, you obviously can't throw out the ACL, but, the, you know, I, I think that if you draft Chris Smith, you got to be prepared to, to maybe Chuma Okeke him, uh, which is, you know, basically redshirt him his rookie year. Um, you know, so it, it'll be really interesting to see, um, you know, where John Juzang's, um, you know, where his upside in the draft is. Uh, but like you said, Chad, you know, clearly somebody's going to draft him. And it it, it, it 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 could be definitely in the first round. I wouldn't be surprised at, at, all, at that at all. Because, you know, it's a shooter's league. And when you're six foot seven, you can shoot the basketball like, like Juzang. Uh, somebody's going to somebody's going to spend a draft pick on you. And you you think about some of his competition, and you look at B.J. Boston, uh, and, you know, who knows? Maybe B.J. Boston, if he transferred to UCLA, would have a much better season his second season like Juzang did. You know, Juzang didn't light it up for Kentucky either uh, his freshman season. Um, you look at you look at other prospects uh, that are out there, um, Z- Zaire Williams out of Stanford. Um, none of these prospects look like they're going to be the shooter um, that, that Juzang is. And, you know, you can, you can bet – uh, and 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 teams do this every year. I'm going to hedge that if he'd been back in college basketball the next season, he would have figured it out the same way that Juzang figured it out. And and so why not take them a year early? I I think he's going to go somewhere in that. I, this is just my guess right now. Uh, you know, teams have been hard to pin down, just like you. I've been asking the same question, and I get the same sort of well, you know, he's going to get drafted, and you know, whatever. I bet he goes in the twenties. And I won't be surprised if he ends up going ahead of prospects like uh, Boston and Zaire Williams. Well, he's he's got a definitive elite NBA skill, and that's 
when you can shoot the ball and you can shoot the ball on the move, that's the thing with Juzang. He shoots it on the move and he moves without the ball, you know, and, and, you know, you see Mick Cronin in UCLA, he's, they're running them all over the floor. You know, they're bringing them off pin downs, you know, they're, they're moving them in different actions. And, you know, you can see, you know, he, 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 he makes the catch. He can put it on the floor one or two times, um, but he can really rise up and make contested shots. And, and, and that's what, you know, he's going to need to do in the NBA. And because of that skill, I mean, that, that skill is valuable. It's, it, you can, I, I was talking to a, a, a GM the other day and, and he said, Tony, you know, what are the two things that you can never have enough of at the NBA level? I uh, said, you can never have enough shooters and you can never have enough defenders. And, you know, and then he said, you can, and, and preferably if they can do both, <laughs> And that's what you want. And, and that's, 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 you know, when you can shoot the ball like that, you know, it's the reason, one of the reasons why Corey Kispert is, is, is so highly thought of. If you can shoot the ball, you got a place for, in, in the league. Do you take him ahead of Chris Duarte or Duarte goes first? Duarte, by the way, credible season at Oregon, played great in the tournament. He's going to be like 24 years old on draft night. Not, not even like a 23-year-old or a 22-year-old like we've been kind of wringing our hands with Kispert and Mitchell, but 24. Uh, there's guys that have been in the league five years, uh, right, that are that are the same age as Chris Duarte. Where does he end up going on draft night? Uh, I'm tantalized by Chris Duarte because I, he can do absolutely everything. And um, he's got elite size for his position. Um, I think that that you know he's going to be able to play the point in the NBA, and he's six six, um, and he's very very skilled. Uh, he defends, he can dribble, shoot, and pass. Um, you know he gets into the lane, he can score at all three levels. Uh, I'm a huge Chris Duarte fan, so um, I will probably take Duarte before Juzang. I'm definitely taking Duarte in the first round if I have a pick in the twenties. Um, you know, he's, he's just a really good basketball player. I'm not sure that he'll ever be a star. I'm not sure what his upside is. I mean, like you say, he's 24, um, but he is a really, really good basketball player. Tony, we're almost out of time. I want to talk about one guy that ends up in my timeline a lot. Uh, Every year there's going to be, you know, college basketball players that are really, really great college basketball players, but just don't project as as NBA prospects. Luca Garza is a you know great example of that this year for Iowa. He if he gets drafted, he probably gets drafted, you know, somewhere in the you know sec mid to sec late second round, despite the fact that he was absolutely dominant this year. Lots of people asking about Drew Timmy, uh, who, you know, I, I think it's fair to say outplayed Evan Mobley. Uh, in uh, you know in in the in the Gonzaga USC game has been a, you know a really dominant big man all year for the best team in the country what are his NBA draft prospects or why isn't he being mentioned with all of these other prospects just based off of you know a great college production how much of a difference is there between him and Kelly Olenek you're asking me yes I, I think Kelly Olenek was in 
it, you know, especially sort of coming out, I think a much more, in in my opinion, mobile uh, big man than than Drew is. Okay, that's fair. So Drew is a sophomore. He needs to go back to school, and and now A he needs to go back to school. B uh, what happens if Chet Holmgren goes there? Um, what happens to his role? Uh, I do think that they'll. I do think that Mark Few would make that work. Um, but the thing with with Drew, as opposed to Luca Garza, I think you know even even with Drew not being the greatest athlete in the world, he's still a much better athlete than Luca Garza. Um, uh, I also think that that drew has time like i think he can go back to school at least one more year he's got to do a lot more pick and pop stuff and he's got to do a lot more perimeter stuff um the the his the strength of his game is the fact that you can give him the ball and and you know back to the basket and he's going to kevin McKelly. you like he's going to give you you know five or six great post moves uh, you know, he's going to give you spins. He's going to give you pivots. He's going to give you drop steps. He's going to give you a jump hook over each shoulder. You know, he, he's just going to give you so much uh, in that torture chamber. However, that is not where the league is. The league doesn't care about back to the basket bigs um, unless you're Joel Embiid. And, um, you know, so he's got to do a lot more. He's got to show he can do a lot more pick and pop stuff. He's got to show that he can shoot 35% from, from NBA three. Uh, you know, he's got to show that he can guard the pick and roll. Uh, I mean, you know, look at Kofi Coburn. Uh, he was absolutely exposed in the pick and roll against Loyola Chicago. Um, you know, you know, so he's got to, you know, Drew's got to, he's got to figure out what the NBA wants from him and he's got to go and show those things. So, the good thing is I think that he has time and I think that he has the upside to do all those things. Like I think he can develop into a stretch five. I think he can absolutely develop into a guy who can shoot the ball at a 35% clip at the NBA level. Uh, I think that he can develop, you know, pick and pops, pick and pop chops. Uh, I already think he's a really good passer. So I think he's just got to prove that he can be a good passer facing the basket uh, instead of passing out of the post. Um, you know, and, and I, I, so I, I do think that, that he has a chance to play in the NBA. Um, you know, he's just got to go out and do some of the stuff, um, that, that the NBA wants to see from him, if that makes any sense. And he's got the facial hair. Uh, oh, he's got the face. Oh, and he's, and he, and he, and he talks a lot of junk. I think it's a really good analysis and, you know, it's a fair question, uh, as you're watching, you know, uh, a sophomore on the best team in the country that averaged 19 points a game and just like 27 minutes a game and, and, and looked as good as he did uh, against the top prospect like Evan Mobley, you know, why, why aren't we talking more about him? I think your analysis is, is right on. I do think that there's a potential future for him uh, in the NBA, but he, you know, that, that, that 30% uh, three point shooting is going to have to go up. Uh, his perimeter game is going to have to continue to to evolve. And all right, Tony, last question for you: You sticking? You picked Baylor to win it all uh, at the start of all this. Are you sticking with a Baylor Gonzaga final? I'm sticking with Baylor Gonzaga final, and I'm sticking with my Baylor pick. 
to win it all. All right. I also had Gonzaga and Baylor in the final. I chose Gonzaga. I'm going to stick with Gonzaga. Uh, One of the two of us hopefully will have bragging rights. Who knows? Maybe it'll be a UCLA Houston final. Uh, I don't, I don't suspect that it will be. I think we're going to get the final that we all, we all are hoping for. And we'll be back on Tuesday uh, to break down how uh, the prospects and Gonzaga, how the prospects on UCLA, how the prospects on Baylor, and how the prospects in Houston fared in the Final Four with our final thoughts uh, to the college basketball season. Thanks so much, Tony, for all your insight, all your wisdom. Enjoy watching the Final Four this weekend, and we'll talk on Tuesday. You've been listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. Aloha. Aloha.